Hello, hello, hello. Hum hai aurate dil se desi, a podcast for South Asian women by South Asian women. I'm your host, Geet. Remember the movie Crazy Rich Asians? Well, South Asian weddings are just as crazy, irrespective of the riches. In the South Asian culture, both in India and Pakistan, the first 25 years of a woman's life are all about her marriage. As a young child, she'll watch Bollywood movies and listen to Bollywood music about love. She'll spend the next 20 years dreaming about that love. She'll be expected to help with chores from around eight years old in prep for life after marriage. At the first sign of protest, mom will be ready with the line, Yahani hora to shadi ke baad kya karugi. At 15, if she asks for permission to go away with the rest of her class on an out-of-state school trip, she'll often be told, Ye sab travel, travel, shadi ke baad karna. If she argues with her parents, she'll be reminded that no man will choose her because men don't like wives who argue. It's almost as though all her worth is wrapped into her identity as a wife and her ability to stay married. South Asians consider marriage a joining of two families. Over the course of two to four weeks, sprinkled with celebratory rituals and customs, the two families get to know each other. The grand finale of which is a huge event filled with colors, music, lights, fancy clothes, and literally anything the couple dreams of. It really is beautiful to experience. The lifelong buildup of marriage is real. Women and men are expected to be married by a certain age. If you're still single beyond that age, it is literally all anyone will ever talk to you about. And when I say anyone, I really mean anyone. Mom and dad aside, uncles and aunties, nieces and nephews, the uncle at the corner grocery store, the random auntie at the temple, the auntie neighbor three blocks away, literally anyone. So after the mad dash towards the finish line, after you found your partner, spent much more than what you can probably afford on a grandiose celebration announcing your marriage to more people than was probably necessary, full of all the angst to get started on living, and you realize it's not at all what you wanted. What then? In today's episode, we'll be talking to Manny about her journey from marriage to divorce and what she'd like young women to know. Hello, Arte. Hello, Arte. Hello, Arte. Welcome to Arte, and thanks for reaching out to us. Why don't we start right at the beginning? Sure. Uh, so I met my ex-husband in my mid-20s. Uh, right away, he checked all the boxes to what would make my family happy. He was the same religion, same caste. He was educated, employed with a good income, um, and then dating for me was just really fun and exciting, just going out on dates, hanging out, talking and texting all the time. Uh, two weeks into, into uh, meeting him, he told me that he had loved me. And then within a month of us dating, his mom had had a health scare. And he told me that if anything happened to his mom, that he'd like to get married while she was still alive. In both of those instances, I felt extremely uncomfortable as it felt like it was all way too soon. We'd only just met. Thankfully, she recovered and I didn't have to make a decision like that. So my ex worked out of town a lot. He'd be gone for weeks and would return for one or two weeks. Um, during his time off, we'd have a blast, we'd hang out. 
uh, for special occasions. He would spoil me, buy me nice presents, take me on like road trips. Um, we also started having important discussions like about our future together. And a few years into the relationship, I started to bring up the topic of marriage quite a bit. I was starting to feel the pressure of age and, and seeing others get married around my age. Uh, he said that he wasn't ready and that he had wished he met me a couple years later so he could have enjoyed single life more. And he didn't want to get married until he was 30. So I tried to be really patient, but we'd end up just getting into arguments over it. I was really worried he was wasting my time. Uh, I'd never met his family, but I had told my parents about him, so that really concerned me. Um, when his 30th was approaching, he said he wanted to wait a few more years. I decided to put my foot down and ended things with him. Getting married what felt really important to me at that time, and I wanted to get married by this magical age of 30. Uh, I just felt the pressure from my family to get to either marry him or to leave him and meet somebody else. Uh, I also placed a lot of internal pressures on myself. Uh, I just wanted to be a part of his daily world. I wanted to like go to family and friends events together. So he was the one who started talking about marriage first and then he just suddenly stopped talking about it? Yeah, he, he like we would talk about it. We'd have discussions like what we wanted to do in terms of having kids, when we wanted to get married. Uh, but it was always down the line. You know, he always wanted to say like, let's, let's wait until I'm 30. Um, so the mutual understanding was there that you both wanted to get married? Yes. Yeah, that was very clear. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, at, when he was turning 30, I was... I mean, it seems to me like, from the little that I'm hearing from you, it seems to me like he also gaslighted you. Oh, there was definitely a lot of gaslighting, and it got worse over time. And I didn't even know, I guess, what the concept of gaslighting was. Um, but so when his 30th was uh, approaching, he said he wanted to wait a few more years. So I put my foot down and just ended it um, because of all the pressures I felt. So, you know, a couple of weeks went by, he ended up reaching out to me and you know, he apologized for not realizing my worth, that he couldn't imagine his life without me. He loved me so much. He missed me. You know, hearing those things, I immediately just got so excited. I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. And, and so then our families ended up meeting and we started talking about starting wedding planning. So I got, I suddenly like got caught up in all of that. And but I didn't realize I ended up missing a lot of red flags. And this was all before we even got married. Uh, the biggest red flag that I missed was my a friend had actually found him on Tinder. Uh, I spoke to him about it and his explanation made no rational sense. But I just wasn't 
thinking rationally. I felt like I was madly in love with him and like whatever lie he was feeding me, I was buying into it. I, you know, I had these like thoughts that were like, why do you think we buy into it? Uh, I think we buy into it because, you know, we just don't want, especially when it's like the first thing, something major happened. We're in so much denial. We don't want to believe it. We're like, this can't happen to me. Like, there's no way. Like, this is just way too crazy. Do you think it also has something to do with the way we see the men in our family are treated or the men in our society are treated. Do you think it has anything to do with that? Like, this is just the way men are and we're kind of given those messages that you have to accept this type of stuff. I'm sorry. Yes, Amna. Let many and I'll just have many answer your question. Then I have a question. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I think a little bit it was like like that um I, and i don't think it's like particularly maybe a south asian problem i just think it's a problem altogether where almost like you know in movies and everything it's portrayed that you know men can go out and do these things and a lot of times they're they're forgiven they're given second chances and third chances mm. my question is uh, do you mm. think you do you think it's also like the pressure on us that, like you said before, that I have to be married before 30 and mm -hmm. otherwise I'm going to be labeled as blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I think that's definitely. Definitely. Pressure I had that that, I felt. Yeah. I had that fear that I was like, oh my God, I, I, I've been with him for so many years. I don't want to start all over again. And like, you know, when will I meet somebody again? When will I get to that marriage stage? Like I'm going to be well into my thirties if, if I start over. Mm. Yeah. And being single in your thirties is a bad thing, right? <laughs> it feels like it at the, you know, when you're young, it feels like it's the end of the world. But really, no, I, I really don't think it is. I think my greater concerns are where these ideas, these ideations yeah. come to us from. Because whatever mm -hmm. you're saying, part of it in one way or another, I can understand and relate to. And I'm sure, Amna, you're probably feeling the yeah. similar thing. It's, it's long and gone now. I'm not under that pressure. But like when I hear you speak, when I heard your story, I could, a certain part of my brain was knocking like, yeah, remember when you were like that? And it's like, why, what, what is it? that we end up in that mindset, in that frame that we're willing to accept less than. Why are our standards so low? Where does this thinking come from? I think it's very important because it isn't until you reteach yourself that you are like, well, I, I deserve more. My value is higher. I am giving this much, therefore I deserve this much. These are like self-taught lessons, but what is it about the way that we're raised that teaches us lessons to make ourselves less? To me, yeah, to me, it seems like in everything else, like for me, uh, my career is very important and I excel in my studies. I excel in my career. My hardships don't deter me from my career. And I'm, I have, you know, I know what's right, what's wrong. But when it comes to men, 
then it's just ignore, 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 ignore. I didn't, I like you, I didn't also did not know what gaslighting is. <laughs> and I look back and I've been gaslit yeah. innumerable times by men. Mm-hmm. And I think another reason also is when I was growing up, I'd see it within my own family um, and extended family, uh, how the men would treat women, like um, even just how my own mom was treated. And, you know, it's almost like you see them tolerate this abuse. And sometimes, you know, it gets labeled as a joke. Um and sometimes it's like, oh, men will be men, you know, just be quiet and things will get better, endure it. And and I think somewhere that does get like that gets in your psyche and you end up, you know, fall, following in those same footsteps of t- tolerating the, those types of behaviors. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. There's a lot of unsaid subliminal messaging growing up that gives you in so many different angles, whether it's in a dynamic between a brother and a sister, or it's a father and a daughter, or a husband and wife, any kind of male-female dynamic, I feel that there are many subliminal messages or hidden messages in just the interactions, like, and it's almost like he has a right to treat you like garbage. And the mm-hmm. difference is, is that as long as Like, I feel like growing up, what it felt to me like was as long as the bills are getting paid and there's a roof over my head, anything goes. And and we're not willing to accept that anymore. That's the difference because now we're providing the roof over our heads and we're providing the food on the table. So why do we have to accept? If I'm meeting you halfway, why am I willing to deal with your garbage? And, And it's not just that you're bringing food to the table. I mean, I think women are just learning to value them because there are a lot of housewives too that are like children raisers and they're taking care of their kids and stuff. So they're full-time moms and those, that's mm-hmm. a full-time job. But I think that they're just valuing it and themselves mm-hmm. at a higher level. Like this is a full-time job and you go to work from nine to five and I have to be on call for 24 mm-hmm. hours a day because I have children. So, yeah. you know, so yeah. I think we're just valuing things differently. We're realizing that we have a lot more self-worth than I feel like generations of women before us. But mm-hmm. the sad part is, is that the torchbearers of patriarchy and misogyny many a times are women themselves in this mm-hmm. subliminal messaging, messaging, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a point I wanted to add about stay at home moms, like uh, in the South Asian culture, sometimes you might even have your in-laws with you. So there's another added layer of responsibility. Yeah. 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 You're taking care of the, you're doing elderly care. You're doing child care. You're doing Mm -hmm. home care. You're taking care of the husband that has to go to work every day. I mean, it's like, it's really like a full-time job. So I wasn't trying to Mm -hmm. take away anything from stay at home moms. I have tons of Mm -hmm. respect for them, but Mm -hmm point is is that you just feel like you're bringing a lot more i think the worth the the self-worth of a woman has been raised and that's what's changing but anyway without taking away from your story i'm sorry manny please continue yeah um so about this tinder thing so you know i had i had these thoughts that i'm like you know something just doesn't add up but i just quieted my thoughts i i told myself like hey i think i'm overreacting and even like when I freaked out at him about that moment, he was like, don't you, don't you trust me? We've been through this multiple times. I didn't cheat on you. If you don't trust me, then, well, then just leave me. And like, suddenly I was finding myself on the defense. Um, 
so the thing with this story was that it just kind of planted like the seed of doubt was planted in my mind and and my brain would just have all these wild thoughts but every time I would just quiet myself like I told myself I'm just being irrational um and then so but eventually we just ended up getting married I did forgive him um I partially because I just bought into his lie so it was technically nothing to forgive but so when once we were married life was really good um I moved cities to be with him uh he wanted to live with his parents and I agreed um just being the good Indian girl that I am and a few months went by and his mom was disappointed in my lack of cooking and cleaning so I started to step up and help help her um help out more but I despised being in the kitchen like I hate cooking meanwhile you have a job yeah and I have a full-time job a professional career and but I you know I still tried because you know this is like the women thing to do you take care of the house and so but for cleaning I was okay with that I made a regular schedule but then the issue became like when I missed the schedule my mother-in-law started tattling on me to my husband he would then call me because he'd be away at work and he'd start yelling at me so I told his mom like you really need to stop this um it's gonna you know cause a rift between us we're gonna get divorced from all this fighting uh she she got mad at me that I'd even use the word divorce like like how could I utter such a word and then and then she goes like, I'll just stop calling him. And I and I thought like, don't you have anything else to discuss with him? But anyway, um, I also ended up having an issue with his sister-in-law. Um, she ended up telling my husband something about me and he called me while I was at work. Just his sister to, or his sister-in-law? Sorry, his sister, so Your my sister-in-law, sister. yeah. And so he calls me while I'm at work and doesn't ask me anything, immediately just starts yelling and screaming at me. Um, and, and like, I tried to explain my side of the story and like nothing was good enough for him. I was just like bawling my eyes out at work, didn't care where I was. Um, so after, after we ended that call, I was so angry. So I ended up texting his sister and told her like to not get involved in our, our matters. She ended up finding that my comment was snarky and she again told her brother about it. So he called me back and threatened to kick me out of the house and send me back to my parents. And uh, he, he ended up making me apologize to everyone about my behavior. And it just ended up becoming super awkward to be around his sister. And you're meanwhile uh, 30 plus years old. You're yeah. Yeah. not a child. So did you exactly. actually ever tell them, like, what makes you think you have the right to approach me this way? Like, who are you to approach me this way? Like, you're calling me and you're just yelling at me about what? Like, why do you think that you're a lot, you can do that? Yeah, I, you know, I definitely tried. Um, I think I... 
you know, I get always got put on the defense. I felt like I had done something horribly wrong and I had to explain myself to be not seen as a bad person. It was always, it's always been really important for me to be seen as nice and polite and kind. And I don't like when people are um, upset with me. So in those moments, I feel like I need to really explain myself. Um, but he so you're was, saying this is important for you to be seen as a nice, kind, accommodating person. Is this you saying that this is important or is it like somebody else saying that? Um, like I, that's kind of how I've always felt. And I still struggle with those thoughts and feelings. Like I'd rather somebody, you know, see me as nice and polite, but then by doing that, I end up, um, not respecting my boundaries. Yeah, and allowing people to disrespect me. Well, I mean, that's 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 the dynamic that's been created, right? That's the way mm -hmm. we've been trained is to be nice. Girls are seen but not heard. Mm -hmm. Girls are obedient. Girls are, you know, people pleasing. They they put this instill this people pleasing, codependent personality in us. Yeah, and like we can't survive without. The support of a man like we're mm -hmm. not, we can't we're not free to think freely we mm -hmm. always need somebody's permission or somebody's okay to say like what we're doing is good we need like uh acceptance it's the way we're trained we're born and raised that way so for mm -hmm. you to think that it's really important for you to be good and seen as good and clean and accommodating and you know what do you, whatever i don't know obedient mm -hmm. is important because that's the way it's supposed to be yeah yeah what was the straw that broke camel's back when uh, was it that you said i've had enough um there was a lot more that took place um but basically the last straw was um his mom had had called my mother and complained about something I hadn't cleaned properly and then she went ahead and called my husband and also complained to him and so then I had both of them calling me like hey what's going on my husband was yelling at me as usual and and I was just like I've had enough like why I I, I feel like a child right now like I'm being tattled on <laughs> like you know, and I'm getting scolded. Did your husband ever come from your side? Instead of yelling at you, did he ever call you to say, hey, what happened? Mm, no, not really. Very rarely, if ever. So whatever you were thinking, whatever you were going through was zero significance. Yep. It was yeah. just the fact that his mother was pissed off. That was his only concern. Yep. Yep. And he was constantly frustrated that me and his mom just couldn't figure it out, couldn't get along, couldn't like run the house smoothly together. And that he was so sick of like being involved in the middle of us. But when not really, realizing I didn't really... the fact that he's involving himself. And yeah. Why is he answering the call? Yeah. Why is he calling, calling you and saying, hey, mom, blah, blah, blah. I mean, hey, 
many mom blah 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 and you're a jerk and you're whatever like why is he even doing yeah. that why doesn't he just not answer the yeah. phone or just tell her mom go deal with the shit yourself like why are you calling yeah me? yeah yeah and i also told her myself i was like look if if you think i'm you know i've done something wrong or you want me to do something just come and tell me like rather than you know having it go through my husband i i respect you just as much and i'm willing to like listen and cooperate um but i don't like this like you know tattling on me and then me being yelled at business is is just messed up is that something that happened continuously for the three years that you guys were together uh i'd say it ha happened a lot in the first year um but then his mom had like she said she would just stop calling him so while he was away at work she wouldn't talk to him much and that was the only way she could kind of keep keep from tattling on me i guess <laughs> yeah like the only thing that she has to talk to her son about is tattling about you like she can't ask him like hey son how are you doing how's yeah. it going what's work like yeah this is so yeah. bizarre so then she yeah. stopped talking to him and complaining about you so then things were okay for a while yeah and then that sister incident happened and and then um so it was really awkward to be around her but then my husband you know told me that I had to call her and give her this like long formal apology and he told me that you know she's likely gonna be a bitch about it and I have to take it because I was in the wrong and so you know I didn't want to but I called her up anyway because this was important to him and you know sure enough she yelled at me and I think it just runs in the family uh, she ended up dragging my mom into it and saying like, oh, you and your mom are colluding. You guys are trying to like get me like kicked out of this family. And and the funny thing about the whole thing was that I actually never told my mom anything about my marriage life. Um, my in-laws um, always told me that you know, you have to keep quiet, whatever stays in the house needs to stay in the house, your parents, you're going to cause them to worry so much. And, and I, I didn't want my parents to worry, they were so far away. Um, you know, it wasn't like a driving distance thing. So I didn't want them to worry about me sitting so far away. So I never told them anything. But um, even after, after I had apologized to her, she's, still wasn't nice to me. Um, she didn't want me coming to her house. Um, she texted mean things about me to my husband. And then he'd go ahead and tell me about them. I don't know what the purpose of that was. I wish he would have just kept it to myself. And, and the most messed up part was, I was like, fine, I won't go to your house. But my in-laws would force me to go to her house. So. Knowing that she doesn't want you there. Yeah. Yeah, they were well aware. They just wanted the whole family unit to be together to like celebrate birthdays and anniversaries. And it wouldn't be complete without me. So. Such a I have a dynamic. question. Did you grow up like that? Like in your family, you were not never given a choice. Like if even if you didn't like certain relatives, you had to go see them. Um. I think so. Like, uh, I think so. Yeah. 
I remember my dad was quite strict. So if he wanted something like it was going, it was going to happen. Yeah. So your will and your, your ideas were not really considered when you were young mm -hmm. growing up. So it was just like, you know, it sounds, but they let you go to school. Oh, of course. <laughs> right. So it's, yeah. it's so interesting that they're, they allow you the freedom to go away to school, but then you don't have the freedom and the will in anything else. Mm -hmm. It's such an interesting way that we're, that, that people are raising people, you know, like people yeah. are raising women. Yeah. Um, so this continued on and then at, how did you reach the end? Like what was happening until you, you got to the point where you were just like, this is it. Yeah. So, you know, it didn't get bad until I think it was maybe our second year into our marriage, a friend called me up and, and you know, she's like, there's something I need to tell you, you don't, you might not want to hear it, but I feel like I really need to tell you. And like, my heart just sank, like, I knew whatever she was going to tell me was going to be something about my husband. Um, she told me that she found him on Tinder and Bumble. So I confronted him about it. And, and I don't know how he did it. But he would just come up with like these most elaborate, creative lies on the spot. So um, different story than what he told you the first time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make up these stupid stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, you and I was shocked that like, where does he come up with this stuff? And you believed him again? Uh, well, no, not this time. I, you know, I let it go because I was um, going away for the holidays to visit my parents um for a few weeks but while I was there I was like you know his reasoning is just not sitting well with me so I, I started doing some digging I, I managed to get onto his Facebook and I saw messages to like girl after girl he had like a long list of girls he blocked um I saw him bragging to some of his friends about the girls he met and the things he did with them he even ended up asking some of his friends uh, about where he could find the best hookers in, in different cities he was going to go travel to. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then when wow. I got back from visiting my parents, um, I decided I needed to go through his phone. And um, I ended up finding deleted photos and videos of him with escorts and doing cocaine. Uh, I was so, so appalled and heartbroken. Um, so I, I confronted him and he immediately started pacing. I knew he was like frantically trying to come up with a really good story. Uh, but he was, you know, caught red handed, like I had solid proof. So he ended up coming back and saying, oh, it was only three women. I knew that he was downplaying it but I'm like either way whether it was three or ten or twenty it's it's just two, one is too many and so I left him that night and I stayed at a friend's he was begging me to not go um he begged me not to tell his parents anything he said he would do anything uh and this was actually the most disturbing part was that he told me he would he would be willing to kill himself and that, that way, like, I would be considered a bachari instead of a kanjari. And... Why so would anyway, you be a kanjari 
<laughs> yeah, it made no sense. It just to me. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, I think he the kanjura. Yeah, right. right? Like For he's sure. the one around. How is she the country? Oh, because yeah. she's single. Like she's not. Yeah. She's unmanned. That's what he's trying to imply. Right. Exactly. No. I think that's what he was oh. getting. Mansplaining. Like, yeah. Gaslighting and mansplaining at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I I ended up like coming back home the next day, but I just. I needed time to think and process. Like I really felt hurt. I felt alone and confused, but I but I didn't want to tell anyone because at the same time I was feeling ashamed and and embarrassed. embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. And and like whenever I bring up the topic of leaving him, I was like I don't think I could do this. You know, he would be like, "Oh, I don't think you'd ever leave me. You don't, you know, you don't have the guts to leave me. And if you do leave me, he said that he'll kill me and then kill himself." Wow, he said oh, that. Oh, this is so creepy. It just gets creepier by the minute. And yeah, just... yeah. How did that um, feel? Uh, you know, it felt very disturbing, but at the same time, I was like, "Oh, there's no way he could do this," but. You know, you never really know. Like it's not written on anybody's forehead that he's going to go and kill his wife sometime soon. Yeah, yeah. I don't know um, what it is that that cracks in somebody's mind that makes them do that. I have no idea. Yeah, I yeah. Like I, I ended up staying for a while. I wanted to try and make it work. I, I didn't feel ready to give up. I was like, if we want to make this work, then you need to, you know, start going to couples therapy with me. Uh, we need to get our own space. You have to like get your money situation in order. He was horrible with his money. Um, so well, we're working doing, toward. If he's doing escorts and cocaine, I'm assuming he's not very good with the money. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Those are pretty expensive <laughs> habits. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. So we're working towards this, and and you know everything's everything's going good for a little bit. Um, I ended up checking his phone a couple of times and I noticed that he was still chatting with some girls and, and then we were trying therapy and it, it didn't work out. Um, I think our second session, he showed up late. He smelt of booze. And after that session, he told me that he wasn't going to go to therapy with me anymore, that we don't have any problems. He doesn't have any problems. I'm the one who has a problem. I I have mental issues and I'm the one who needs help. Mm. Of course, you're the one who says, no, I'm sorry, you cannot go to prostitutes. Yeah. That's <laughs> your problem, it's not his problem. As far as he's seeing it, you have problems because you're setting boundaries. You're saying, I'm not willing to tolerate this crap, yeah. which is probably something new for him. Clearly, he's never seen this before in his life. In many yeah. years, in with you also, it's shocking to him, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I tolerated so much. Yeah. So he was surprised when I was starting to reach like my breaking point. Um, so yeah, he after after that time, like he, you know, he never really showed that he was truly remorseful. He w- he became super mean towards me. I uh, started calling me stupid and mental all the time. It it just wore down on me. Like I was just at an all time low. Um, I felt so broken. 
Um, and you're a and, CPA. You're a CPA. Yeah. And you actually saved more than him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saved a lot of money um, even before we got married and paid off all my student loans. And, um, and I ended up purchasing my own home as an investment. And, uh, and, and there he is having nothing to show for his money. Literal credit card debt. And then, you know, yeah. Manny, we're talking about all of this stuff and I'm wondering how has this been on your mental health? Uh, yeah, so my mental health um, really did suffer. Um, I don't think I realized how bad our relationship was until I actually separated and started to think about everything and tell people and like seeing the shock on people's face and and like how mortified they were. Um, and, and also like when you're going through the separation, it, it, it is a grieving process because you're grieving, uh, you know, the person, the life that you thought you were gonna have. You're grieving the, the forever. Yeah. And so I ended up struggling, um, focusing on work. Um, I, I couldn't like focus on myself. Like I couldn't really, take care of myself and just that daily self-care routines just seemed so difficult. I was struggling with sleep. Um, I turned to unhealthy coping methods to numb the pain. Uh, and um, not so just substances. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it helped to like just numb the pain. But, but for a moment, right? Because when you yeah, come back to but for a moment, yeah. and it comes comes right back, and and like I just reached a breaking point where I was like, I just can't go on like this anymore. Like I couldn't keep up with life anymore. I was just sad, and I was crying all the time. I like I had I just couldn't make sense of all my feelings, and and even like telling people, I was reliving it over and over, but the same time I, I had this like urge to tell people because I didn't want it to be like this shameful secret. Um, like it's your fault in some way. Yeah. So, so I, what about I therapy? Were you in therapy at all? Yeah. So I ended up going to a therapist and I've been going to a therapist every two weeks for over six months now. Um, I was suffering from, uh, and still am dealing with depression, anxiety, and uh, PTSD. Um, uh, I ended up seeing my family doctor and uh, getting prescribed medications for the depression and anxiety. But therapy, like honestly, has been so helpful in just uh, learning how, like, these things were not my fault. And, and also like how I can cope with all those flashbacks that I get, how, how I can deal with like the panic attacks. Um, mm. Yeah, and, and for a long time, I found that I was just stuck in this negative mindset. Yeah. And my mom ended up signing me for this life coaching <laughs> stuff. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't hurt to try it. I went for it. It was really Not difficult. Mom, at the, 
yeah, it's really difficult at the beginning, but uh, the, the focus of the coaching was on gratitude. So it's really helped me in shifting my mindset. Um, so I live in the present um, and try to be more positive and grateful for everything. Um, I'm grateful that I've gotten out of this relationship. And I try to like hang out with friends and family because it's, I don't really like being alone. Um, I'm, I'm like getting back into my hobbies and finding joy in that. Um, Yay on you for finally taking the step to yeah. me, for recognizing that you couldn't setting the, it's, I don't even want to say boundary, just setting limits for yourself, you know, and mm -hmm. saying, this is it. I'm not going to let myself drop anymore number one yeah. number two props to you for seeking out therapy because a lot of south asian women don't i think that's changing mm -hmm. in your generation mm -hmm. but like and again therapy also is changing in yeah. this, mm -hmm. in, in recent times but all of that aside i think it's a very useful tool that's mm -hmm. made to make our lives easier so good on you for doing both of those things because absolutely and you know we i learned in therapy that there's a difference between selfishness and self-preservation. And what we do is we always think we don't set boundaries because we don't want to be selfish. But we have to do self-preservation. And as you realize, and I realize, and Geet realized in our life, that if we are not preserving ourselves, if we are not who we are, we're useless to everyone else, including ourselves. Because mm -hmm. it's very important to be true to who you are. Yeah, yeah. And you know, another thing that works for me, has always worked for me, and I, I, the trend I realized much later in life, I didn't realize that this is the kind of person I am, but I actually, whenever something really shit happens, where I'm down in the dumps and I feel like garbage, and I'm suffering from depression and I can't barely get myself out of bed, I challenge myself to do something that I think is impossible. I always do this when I'm starting to feel disconnected from life, when I'm feeling like I'm looking at the, almost like imposter syndrome, Amna says all the time, like, this is my life, but this is not my life type thing. Um, when I start to feel like I'm here, but I'm not really here is when I go and I challenge myself. Like when I got divorced, I went away to med school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. I, I see that when I immerse myself in something that's, you know, different, then I just forget about things, you know, like with COVID, <laughs> when I took care of COVID patients, it just made me forget about my life. And that, that helps me too. But, you know, kudos to you that you're, you're refiguring who you are, you're reteaching yourself. Yeah, that and, they and I, they did it so much. They made you feel all of them. Mm -hmm. They made you yeah. feel worthless. Mm -hmm. But now you're taking time to really get back to loving yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think like one of the things that I've learned from this is that, you know, not only am I like learning to love myself, but I'm also rediscovering myself. But also, I don't think I was truly who I was meant to be. Um, I feel like society has always held me back. But now that I've been through this separation, you know, it feels like 
you know, I, I shouldn't be limited by society's beliefs and expectations and norms. I just need to go out there and explore and figure out, you know, who I am, who I want to be and what I want to do. And Good for do you. It for myself. Good for you. You get to define you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hobbies, explore yourself. Mm-hmm. If you had if you had to give some words of wisdom to the auditor listening today, what would they be? So I have like a few pieces of advice. My best one would be if someone is making you feel shitty more often than they make you feel good, you need to leave. Yay. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> There's I love a- that one too. Yeah. yeah. I love that one. You know, there's absolutely no reason to go through life like this. Uh, You know, nobody should make you feel broken and alone, like you're a shell of your existence. Um, You know, it's not normal to have to walk around on eggshells. And and if you're feeling like this, I think I'd highly recommend researching narcissism. And and then a lot of it will make sense. Another piece of advice that I have um, that was actually pivotal in me, um, in me leaving him, one of my friends, uh, I was talking to her and I was just feeling just so unsure about my decision. Uh, She said that you have over half your life to live. And then it all hit me. I was like, I have more, I have 30 plus years to live. I can't Mm. go through this. For the next fucking 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> or more. Or yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. And and then if you're if you're someone who's heading towards marriage, then my advice is, you know, if you're in the dating phase and there's something that's bothering you now, just know that it only gets worse with time. Absolutely. You know, magic, like it's not gonna magically like re- resolve itself. Marriage doesn't fix things. Babies don't fix things. There's, yes. a big, there's a big misconception in our community. Oh, yeah. Child, yeah. I, I was so okay. close to going down that path. So close. Uh, thank God. And how didn't. do you feel about that, that you didn't have children with him? I am so relieved. I couldn't even imagine what having a kid with him would be like. Yeah. I imagine he'd spoil the crap out of that kid and make me feel like, you know, I wasn't doing enough for that kid. And also just pitting the kid against me. So. Yeah. They use it like ammo, right? Mm-hmm. So when the time yeah. comes that you do still want to separate, then it's yeah. like, ha ha, tum jau, but made pas vega. And you're like, shit, yeah. shit you're a mom. Who wants to leave the kid behind, right? Yeah. 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 And then, and then I th- I have to add that if if you have any like family or friends that are going through divorce and you know that they left a difficult marriage, you know, don't say sorry to them, you know, for their loss or for their divorce. Instead, I want you to congratulate them because what they did took so much courage. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Such an important statement. Such an important. Yeah, statement. and I know some some women um, 
through internet who have had divorce parties. You know, like people have bachelorette parties, so people have divorce parties. <laughs> you should have one. I we should have one for party. you when you're all settled and oh, I am out so there <laughs> living your happy life. We'll have a divorce party for you. <laughs> Manny, if you ever come to visit me, I owe you your divorce party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Divorce party on me, for sure. Yeah. And more power to you. And girlfriend, you're gonna have a great life. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for having me. And you're amazing just the way you are. Don't let you are. Tell you <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. And if you ever need us, you know where to find us. Sounds good. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.